Hey everybody, this is Alex. And I'm Briley, and you're listening to Financing Ambition, a Laurel Road podcast. We're very excited to welcome Dr. Jennifer Sai, an optometrist in New York City, who is opening her own boutique optometry studio, Line of Sight, in downtown Manhattan. She's here to talk about what it's like to own, operate, and manage a practice during a pandemic, along with insights into her finances and personal experiences. So Jennifer, welcome. Thanks for being with us today. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Yeah, of course. Um, I am a practicing optometrist in New York City and the founder of a uh, cold start practice called Line of Sight, as well as the e-commerce eyewear line called Carrot Eyewear. So take us back to the start. How did you get into optometry? I got into optometry, I think starting in college. I um, knew I wanted to be in the medical field where I was helping others, but I couldn't quite figure out exactly what specialty. And I found out that I had retinal detachment. For those of you who don't know, that's actually um, quite serious. It means the retinal tissue inside the eyes, um, a layer of it has come off. Um, so obviously that, that was really concerning um, and I was very scared. But I noticed that the optometrist who saw me, um, she was very compassionate and very empathetic. Um, and it made me realize, you know, it might be a good um, career path to sort of see if I enjoyed it. So when the coronavirus first hit New York and the state was put on pause, what happened? How did that impact your business? You know, one of the biggest things that we ran into in the beginning when um, COVID first occurred um, in March was figuring out what I think because no one really had or knew the right answers. And I think there was really a lot of conflicting information from governors and from the state and nationally what's allowed to be open, what you can do or can't do. Um, we decided to just, you know, close it and um, figure out what to do with permitting and construction after we received more information. Oh, wow. That must have been extremely stressful. So what have been some of the ways that you've pivoted your business to face these new challenges? Um, I mean, I definitely think as a business owner, you never stop learning and you never stop growing. And I think that's what I partly enjoy. I do enjoy challenges and finding a way to solve them. And um, just really adapting to technology very early on, I think, um, has helped at least maintain a, a momentum. Um, one of the things is finding a way to see patients during quarantine. Um, and I definitely try to set that up as soon as possible within the first week or two of quarantine, um, like a way to do telehealth. I want to get into the specifics for some listeners about how, how you make telehealth really work as effectively as going to the doctor physically. Um, I think within the first like week or two, I honestly didn't know what I was doing um, because I never researched this before. It wasn't even something I thought about, you know, let alone I was already preoccupied with how to build a, a practice <laughs> and figuring out how, how to get patients in the door when we first opened and plan a grand opening and um, setting all that stuff. I, I had to kind of drop that for like a week or two, just figure out this other way to see patients. Um, I tried out, I would say like three to four different um, technology softwares that offer telehealth and see, you know, what, um, which one made the most sense. Um, I tried a bunch out and I actually tried them out as a patient because it's not, um, it's important how it works as a healthcare professional, but the more important thing is what is it like on the patient's end? That is so interesting. And you know, I've seen a lot of different healthcare providers apply telehealth in new and novel ways over the last few months. 
So tell us, what does the future of telehealth look like and how do you think that you'll be applying it? I would say that there are definitely pros with using telehealth. I can see that it reduces chair time. A lot of visits, at least in eye care, sometimes they're just medical follow-ups. Eventually um, doing um, virtual fittings, that means like trying on frames um, in the comfort of their home and seeing how that fits and then being able to choose the correct frame for them. Um, and also, I think for patients who just feel generally uncomfortable right now going in, you know, into a public scenario, um, there are some, I, you know, cons, which is you don't have the equipment that you need all the time. Um, but I think it's great for just like a fundamental, you know, uh, checkup or, um, you know, a brief consultation or um, follow-ups as well. As this pandemic continues, there are likely costs related to the business. Have you been able to take advantage of any of the government programs to assist with these expenses? It was tough for me to get the loans in the beginning, um, just because it went to a lot of a lot of larger corporations that had more employees. Um, their payroll was higher, you know, and so unfortunately wasn't able to get the PPP. But eventually, I was able to get the EDIL. Um, I also looked into a lot of sort of grants, um, and I looked at a few women um, business owner loans. There's also minority business owner loans um, and also uh, local community grants in your in your state. So just everyone's been very helpful with each other and knowing that the interest rates are quite low um, for extended period of time, if it's something that you need, I would, you know, uh, seek it. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually so great to hear that you've found a solution Uh, And it's really great to know that there are programs out there to help small businesses like yours. How have you been able to manage your personal finances at this time? Do you have any tips? It's really important to have savings in place because I don't think anyone predicted this at all. And this is something where, you know, if it's extended three months of time of not work, um, and if you didn't have any savings going in, I, I can't imagine, you know, how stressful that could be. Um, aside from that alone, talk, you know, finding a way to delay rent, um, if you can talk to your landlord. Um, I, I've heard that many people were able to find a way to delay their, their rent. Um, a lot of landlords were very understanding with that. Finding ways to delay utilities, I think um, in terms of um, loans, there's definitely been um, things like uh, refinancing your student loans. I have student loan debt from graduate school um, and, you know, I refinance my loans. I use uh, lower road and that's been helpful with lowering, you know, uh, rates and things like that and and just recalculating um, your finances to see where you can reallocate your money where it's needed. Now, Dr. Sai, we have seen in the headlines that there has been a lot of discrimination around Asian Americans during the pandemic. Can you share more about your experience? Very happy to talk about this. And it was something that took me, I would say, some time to process myself before feeling comfortable with it. Um, sometimes these things, it's, it's it's like a shockwave and you have no idea how it's going to impact you because... Um, you know, you're dealing with one thing, which is your own fear of COVID and then another, which is racism. And it's just a very um, anxious and I think it adds uh, more stress in terms of, you know, mental health and anxiety. But it's very important. I decided, you know, it's really important to share this with others because 
you want to share experiences in case other people are going through similar situations and are maybe are too afraid to speak up about it. And also we see that Black Lives Matters and the protests. And so I think with, you know, COVID, it's definitely shed a light on the structure, I think, of um, our society and what it's built on. And um, I think that maybe we swept under the, the rug that we've never really talked about. Um, we kind of just dealt with consciously in over years. And so, you know, living in New York, I can tell you that New York has always been a melting pot. Um, it was never painted as a picture where um, people were racist and that there was bigotry. Um, so, yeah. um, you know, personally, uh, around the time of, I think, when it first started, I remember there was one time when I was walking to um, to see patients go to work. Um, a person on the street called me a chink and then tried to spit on me. And I was completely shocked by that. And I, you know, wanted to have a, uh, I guess, rational discussion with um, the person. But, you know, I realized, you know, this is a bigger issue and talking to one person isn't going to change, you know, what's going on in in America. And I think, um, you know, that situation really escalated when it was being called the Chinese virus by politicians. And um, I, I think I've also would go on the news and I would see local hate crimes occurring um, across America, even um, in my area, young professionals where I lived on, um, on my street were actually getting punched um, while they were walking to work. And I think it just really escalated hate crimes and it wasn't really addressed again. And it was again, swept under the rug. It was never an excuse for bigotry. And I don't think xenophobia is, you know, a great way to combat COVID and the virus does not discriminate by your race. Um, so looking back, I, I will admit it was definitely hurtful. And at a point in time, I may have felt ashamed and, and it shouldn't be that way. And I know that others may have felt that way in the beginning. And it was more so just being scared about being outside. Like I did not feel comfortable um, normally when I did um, walking to work and in broad daylight. And I think that also um, made it more confusing as a healthcare professional because I am going to work to help others. Um, I try to focus on the bigger picture, um, which is how can I create change with the platform that I have? And that's by educating, by educating how coronavirus spreads and educating how you can prevent yourself from, um, you know, getting it and how you can protect yourself and um, practice hygiene. And instead of focusing on the fear or spreading um, hatred. Thank you so much for sharing those personal stories. And um, we, I'm sure many, many people can relate to um, the experiences you've had. How do you take care of yourself as a doctor during these times? How do you prioritize your mental health? Um, you know, during that time period, I definitely felt everything from fear, anxiety. Um, there were moments of happiness and joy. Um, then it would uh, go back down to, um, you know, sadness and just uncertainty about the future. Um, but I think that um, what has helped is understanding that it's not just us, you know, I, our colleagues are going through the same. It's nice to know that you have shoulders to lean on, maybe other business owners that you know of or colleagues of yours that you can talk to about this and you know that they're going through the same. And I think that um, becoming aware of how I was feeling uh, was important to start with because you really can't address something that you choose to ignore. Um, and based on personality and just as a you know business owner, I'm used to just sort of holding in emotions um, 
But I think that during this time, I allowed myself to really feel them um, because that's how you eventually let them pass. And by learning and acknowledging them, I think you're able to address them head on. Um, and I think it's completely normal to to know that you it's okay to feel that way. Um, it's okay to not be okay. So Dr. Sai, what are you doing to really prioritize during these times? What's helped me is focused my energy on uh, myself, which is um, finding uh, renewal in my passions and meditation and journaling and yoga and doing a lot of exercise with um, I got a Peloton and cardio, learning new um, cooking recipes. It's something I haven't done in a while. And to taking classes um, that they offer online through these programs and learning on webinars and staying in touch with friends and family, just being present, I think um, has been helpful. You know, like, uh, to not be hard on yourselves, know that you're you know, you're not just slacking off working at home. It's okay if you just have a day where you're just, um, I think you may feel guilty, like you're just doing nothing or you just have a lot to deal with. You just want to relax, but you know, you're at home working during a crisis and it's not you. Yeah. Great advice. I think a lot of people have a hard time, um, taking time off in the same sort of way now that many people are working from home. Yeah. And I think, I think it does help when some, um, you know, for me, I actually, there are moments in time when I put my phone away, I turn it off and that's my pause for the day. And I think you, you need a pause. Um, for some others, they may be like having two phones. One is their personal, one is their um, work phone, two separate laptops. It's just, maybe it's just the mindset of being able to separate or having a separate room where it's just specifically for work. I think it creates a mental barrier and I think it helps people set boundaries, which is important. Last question, how do you use social media as a healthcare practitioner to reach your patients in this day and age? And I know that you've had some success in that medium, Mm -hmm. and I would love to hear um, how you got started and and what your tips for medical practitioners specifically using social media to reach their patients might be. Um, I think um, during this time, it's definitely shed a light on the importance of just um, a digital presence um, is the best way to put it. Um, Obviously, stores were all completely closed for months and um, everyone was spending all of their time on a computer. I think our usage on our phone, I think I checked mine, it went up like three times the amount. Um, So, you know, uh, having a social media presence is really important in our day and age. I think a lot of um, people, especially in the younger generation, um, they find everything that they need um, uh, on their phone. And it takes only less than a minute to really just type in a doctor. And I call it a digital resume. Um, We know exactly where you went to school, you know, what your credentials are, where your office is and what specialties you offer. We can read your reviews. We can know your bedside manners. We can even tell what type of personality you have by your social media. And, you know, are you passionate about what you do? Are you, you know, um, informed and educated? So I think these are all really important factors and and to take advantage of um, being able to um, reach others and, and patients that way. Now, Dr. Sai, I'm loving your Instagram channel. You know, I think it really shows your personality, your love for what you're doing, but also your authenticity. Can you share some specific ways that you've been able to create content that's valuable to your audience? In the beginning, before stores are reopening, it was showing um, how you can educate others about COVID and how it was spreading. And I decided to start sharing um, and just researching and learning about tips about how does how do we prevent spreading infection by touching our glasses all the time and putting it down and not realizing that our glasses is a method of um, contamination. 
And then I find ways to educate um, others on how to clean your glasses properly at home. And, 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 you know, how do you wear a mask and prevent it from fogging up your glasses um, was another um, a big one that I think found a lot of success. So it really is just to provide free education for others, you know, valuable information that people can take. And I think it's just um, when when others uh, realize that they, they recognize that maybe, you know, you're really passionate about what you do and you care about others and it helps them. Um, patients want to come see you. And I think um, when the store reopens, it's important for offices to show that they are implementing um, the bright protocols to make patients feel safe, including um, sterilization, um, social distancing in the offices and um, and things like that and sharing that with patients because I think patients do look it up and, and they, they check twice before coming in to make sure that, you know, they feel comfortable. Thanks so much for sharing your, your personal story and your professional challenges and successes during this time with us today. We've really appreciated learning from you. Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Our pleasure. I'm so grateful for Dr. Sai for, for being available to us to share her perspective today. Yeah, I agree. It was great to hear her perspective and how agile she's been able to be during such a challenging time and making the transition to telehealth and video conferencing work for all her clients and also how she's leveraged social media to market herself during this time. It's nothing short of really impressive um, what she's been able to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I have had quite a bit of experience, um, particularly in the last few months, learning about how optometrists have been dealing with the current situation through our partnership with the American Optometric Association. And I know from, uh, from working with this association that Uh, optometrists have really been hit hard with the pandemic. So I really admire what she's been doing to um, turn her business around and to pivot and to to pursue new avenues to really um, keep things going. And now for the legal. Any opinions, findings, and conclusions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of KeyBank. In providing this information, KeyBank is not acting as your agent or is not offering any tax, financial, accounting, or legal advice. Our guest, Dr. Jennifer Sai, is a Laurel Road customer and received compensation for her time. Laurel Road is a brand of KeyBank NA, number FDIC and equal housing lender. NMLS, number 399797.